As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Anything is Possible! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you on a Thursday afternoon, the day after the Boston Celtics thoroughly dismantle, destroy, beat up the Brooklyn Nets. I don't even. It was a forty-three point victory. I forget what the final score was. Uh, One hundred thirty-nine and ninety-six. That was what the uh, the final was. But this game was over pretty much after the first quarter when the Celtics. Scored I would say more like after like points. five minutes, maybe less. Yeah, I think it's like they started three, right. Yeah, once they started eight for eight from three-point land, it was pretty much like, oh, I think the Celtics uh, have this game. Um, but just an absolutely outrageous offensive performance from the Celtics where they hit and a crazy amount of shots. And then it just was like, I didn't know. I mean, the Nets did not have Ben Simmons. They did not have Kevin Durant. Wild that I mentioned Ben Simmons first. They did not have Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, TJ <laughs> Warren. Uh, but they just like didn't really do anything on defense. They didn't protect the rim at all. The Celtics also had crazy amount of points in the paint in addition to making threes. It was just like a thorough dismantling of them uh, as a team. And then the Celtics are now 10-0 and in their last 10 games against the Nets. Yeah, that's a crazy stat because it's not like they've had bad teams during that time. They've had, although Kevin Durant has missed a number of those games. Ben Simmons missed a number of those games. But 10 straight against that team is, is kind of wild. Yeah, they're the fourth best team in the East. Like, it's it. this was... It's wild to have that much, uh, I guess, domination against them. I don't think it's that crazy that the Celtics came out and absolutely destroyed this version of the Nets. Like, they were just running some lineups out there with, like, a lot of Dayron Sharp. Uh, Dayron Sharp's defensive blunder was probably the funniest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. He had zero awareness that Al Horford was standing in the corner open zero awareness that Al Horford caught the basketball and then even less awareness that Al Horford was shooting the basketball to make a three it was that was a brilliant he literally had no clue the entire time like the the ball got passed to Al Horford 
he just was still staring straight ahead. <laughs> then then Horford shot it. Dayron Sharp was still staring straight ahead. And he was like in a defensive stance and everything, pretending to be aware of what's going on almost. <laughs> and uh then the ball went in and he looked up like he must have known at that point, like, oh man, this is one of the worst moments of, of my basketball life. <laughs> that was so bad. I I watched it like thirty times and laughed every time. I mean, laugh laughing is all you could do uh, like with this game. It got to be ridiculous fairly quickly and the Celtics just through the amount of threes they were making um there was one point where I think the the Nets cut it to 22 points and you thought, "Oh, maybe maybe the Celtics will let this back up." But then it was just consistently a 30 to 40 at some points close to 50. I don't think they ever got all the way to 50. I think the biggest lead was 49. But the entire second half, it was between 30 and 50. And it was just a, a laughable basketball game where it's just like, oh, like they took all the starters out and there was still eight minutes left. It was just what's, and the Celtics were up by 49. I was like, what are we doing here? What, this is not, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with all like this, this level of Celtics domination. I think it was just shows you what they can do. It shows you that they're a much better basketball team when both Robert Williams and Al Horford are playing. Like there, we've we've noted uh, that this stretch without Marcus Smart has been tough for them, but then uh, either due to Robert Williams' injury or resting Al Horford on the back-to-backs, along those stretch they never they didn't have both of those guys together, and so the the team obviously was did not play as well. But then the, you you see both of them back together on the court, and the defense just like especially in like the first six minutes just looked dominant like they were really switching they're communicating they're doing a lot of things to make it not easy for the nets to get good shots and um you know that's another takeaway when you have more talented players on the courts you play better yeah obviously some of the shot making was just ridiculous like Jalen Brown hit a couple of pull-ups that were just in people's mugs they were just probably terrible shots honestly but he was feeling it. He was in rhythm, and almost all of them went in. And then Tatum had some similar type shots that were just crazy. But the Celtics were absolutely locked in at a level that they haven't been in a little while. And for whatever reason, maybe it was the rest. Maybe it was the practice time that they got in between games. Maybe it was just getting Robert Williams back. Um, they were they were really locked in from the start. They and and even after they opened up a big lead, like it was never like they stopped competing or anything like that. They just kept kind of just pouring it on those dudes. It was uh, it was that that was a lot. And every time they missed, it seemed like Robert Williams just got the rebound and just laid it back in. Yeah, the Nets, <laughs> especially the Nets. early, it was just like like no matter what, he was just getting the rebound and putting it back in on the rare occasions they did miss. The Nets seemed so small, even when they had Claxton on the court. It just felt like they were a tiny team, and all the Celtics had to do was drive and engage Claxton, and then it was like automatic Robert Williams' offensive rebound because he was jumping over Joe Harris, Seth Curry, or Royce O'Neal. It just felt like there was nothing the Nets could really do. And uh, I know that this is probably like not what Celtics fans want to hear because they're still very upset with Kyrie Irving. That guy still can do some amazing stuff on the basketball court. That he he makes some crazy shots and some crazy letups that were just like, damn, 
He Kyrie had one. Kyrie's a hooper. <laughs> he had one play where he like dribbled in between three guys and like like all three of them almost stole it and he just somehow maneuvered it through and then hit like a fadeaway baseline jumper. And then he had one pass to the corner. I forget who it was in the corner, but he needed to like throw it around a defender and he put tons of side spin on it. And and I it felt like he needed to do that. Like that was the only way he could get it exactly where he wanted it. And it was almost like a, a pool shot, you know, like 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 put just some that English type on the ball, yeah. yeah. And you almost never see passes like that. Where not only are they doing it, but they need to do it. And it just went directly into the shooting pocket. That was that was nuts. Um but yeah, the uh it's a really bad matchup. The Celtics are a really bad matchup for teams in the best of times, but when you're missing three big wings, like you're just fucked. You're you're just totally <laughs> screwed against them because they've got Tatum and Brown coming at you, and and a lot of guys who who can just take advantage of of smaller players, and their size was just overwhelming. On top of all the shot making and everything else, it was like the Nets had nobody who could bother them, nobody who could box them out, nobody who could really do much of anything. Both Tatum and Brown uh, were 7 of 12 from uh, from deep. I think any game in which both Tatum and Brown shoot better than 50% from the three-point line, it's highly likely that the Celtics are going to win that game. Um, and I think it was a good stretch or a good opportunity for the Celtics uh, to rest some guys. I know... Jason Tatum, this is like this was just like stuck in my brain after our last podcast. And we talked about Tatum's minutes for uh, probably a half hour. Probably we talked about Tatum's minutes for longer than Tatum actually ended up playing in this game. Did not hit the thirty-minute threshold. Kept him. Uh, Joe kept him to twenty-nine, nineteen, and I just knew some reporter was going to ask about Tatum's minutes after the game. I didn't know it was going to be you. But uh, what do you think about uh, Joe Mazzulla's response to that question? Yeah, it's it's interesting um, because the organizational philosophy last year after the finals, or at least what Brad Stevens was saying after the finals, was that the cumulative effect of the minutes caught up to the Celtics and that they needed to give themselves an easier path and basically not not give those guys as many minutes. And you look at the minutes discrepancy between Jason Tatum and Stephen Curry last year. And it was crazy. And part of that was because Curry was injured. Um, and I think he was on a minutes restriction early in the playoffs and and all of that. But it's like Tatum just played a ton more minutes than anybody. He played more minutes in the playoffs than anybody had since 2012. When I think, no. Yeah, I think it was 2012. Um, and then he played more minutes than anybody, including playoffs and regular season, than LeBron, since LeBron James had done it in 2017-18 when he just dragged a shitty Cavs team to the finals. Um, so for Tatum to now be playing more minutes, <laughs> and and he's a guy that, like, he rarely sits out games. All, almost all other stars have, like, some sort of load management going on. He rarely does that. Uh, and so, but for the Celtics to kind of reverse course and, Say we trust that the work Tatum has done to improve his body, improve his habits, diet, all that. We're just going to trust in that. 
and it's interesting. I don't know if it's right. I guess we'll find out later. Uh, but they're they're trusting that the the work that he puts into his body will be enough. And I think it sounds like Tatum said it. You know, he, he and his trainer Nick Sang, who is like Tatum's like best friend, trainer, like always around. Um, that they had conversations about how to approach the season and and basically to to set him up to play this many minutes every night. Um, and it's interesting. It's, it goes counter to what a lot of teams are doing. It goes counter to what a lot of players are doing and we'll see if it's right. Um, but it's definitely to me, at least it's, it's interesting that the Celtics are just choosing to trust him, um, and the work that he's put in and maybe the right to do it. But, but also like after the way he burnt out in the finals, after the way their whole team faded in the finals, the last three games, the fourth quarters in that series, everything, um, to to not be more conscious of Tatum's minutes this season has been a real surprise to me. One thing I was thinking about is like, it's hard to know what was the exact cause of Tatum being fatigued, whether it was all of those minutes or maybe it was just like they played two very intense seven game series right before that yeah that, and, and that sure was part that, of it too like every series was long yeah and and like playoff intensity there's not a lot of breaks in between games and so it's probably uh, a combination of both a lot of minutes logged in the regular season and then two intense seven game series but it's hard to figure out exactly what the cause is it's better for the celtics when they can have some nights like uh, the they had against Brooklyn where Tatum only has to play 30 minutes because their their previous stretch of games, there was, what, multiple, multiple overtimes uh, uh, and then I guess the blowout against the Magic, but just like close games where Tatum need to be, uh, needed to be in the lineup if they wanted to kind of have a chance at winning. And um, I think the Celtics have an opportunity to maybe kind of gain some ground uh, in the Eastern Conference standings. I think five of their next seven games are at home, but they do have some tougher opponents uh, coming to the Garden. But it's just like a, a solid basketball victory uh, for the Celtics where it's just, it's been a while since we've seen a Celtics ass-kicking. This was like kind of routine towards the end of last year, but I'm not remembering a, another as thorough of an ass-kicking uh, that the Celtics have delivered this season. This was like a, a standout uh, victory for them it was the third best net rating any team has had this year the eighth best offensive rating any team has had this year I, in a game I was I was surprised that there were seven seven performances better than that offensively because the, the Celtics had it all going it was like the shot making the they were 19 for 21 at the rim so they were not only getting the rim but finishing and then the offensive rebounding piece to it too. So the uh, the teams who have done more than that, <laughs> salute to them. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't really uh, understand it. I, like it was the Celtics' it, best offensive rating of the season. That's not too surprising. I did see some one of those like uh, analytics accounts that is like based on shot quality created. The Nets should have won this game. 
116 to 115. Like the Nets <laughs> severely underperformed and the Celtics severely overperformed. And I was just like, whatever analytics you're using, like I understand that's just like purely based on shot quality. But the Nets just didn't have any sort of answer for the Celtics on defense and gave up so many points in the paint that, like, Brad Stevens says, the basketball has energy. Like, there was just zero chance the Nets were going to win this game on shot quality created. That feels like a kind of a... After seeing that graphic, it feels like a nonsense uh, statistic that I can no longer uh, deem as relevant moving forward. Yeah, and this... (laughs) That that's an absurd absurd stat, honestly, because I, although I will say there were like plenty of of very difficult shots that the Celtics m- made. Um, oh yeah, a lot of their insane, threes were insane shot making performance from from Tatum and Brown. And they but, since they were doubling Kyrie, the Nets did miss a lot of open threes. So now that I talk myself, maybe the Nets should have won 116-115 just based on shot quality created. Uh, maybe it's not so uh, terrible. but um, Only five turnovers for the Nets. I, I didn't realize that till right now. It's really not that interesting, but it stood out to me. Uh, you know who what is interesting and stands out to everyone? Is How our do you main lose man. by forty three with five turnovers? <laughs> That's uh, fucking bonkers. Let's ask Joshua B. How the Nets managed to pull that off? Joshua B. In the place to be. How's it going? I am jacked, as you might imagine. After a four, uh, I mean, you're, you're normally jacked. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm especially jacked today. I have. I, I wrote you something um, special because I, I have a feeling that you would want a Kaizen and that when you're as high as you are it's, 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 it's after a game like that, it's pretty hard to come back down to earth. And the problem with coming back down to earth is that these next seven games before the All-Star break, um, these teams that we're about to play, including the good ones uh, that Jam Packard mentioned, um, we're 7-0. and against these teams we've already played these teams coming up um and we've beaten all of them but let's start with the four games that we are most likely to win um which include two against the pistons who are 15th against the east one against the hornets which are 14th against the east and then tomorrow night against the phoenix suns who we molly um on december 23rd and the other three games are the memphis grizzlies um The Memphis Grizzlies, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Milwaukee Bucks, and all of those teams um, are worse in, like, so many key stats. Like, they're all worse in defensive rating. They're all worse in assists. They're all worse in turnovers created. Like, you're seeing a, like, defensive juggernaut. And I, I bring all of this up because... I've been sort of vacillating um, on these podcasts between, like, what should the Celtics do now that we're so close to the trade deadline? Um, and I listen Isaiah to Isaiah Joe. Well, I, I know you like to bring up Isaiah Isaiah Joe. So that's, so that's the question, Jay. Would you rather have more wins like this, where you just bombed, you bombed your threes? You're, you're now up 46 to 16 after the first quarter. That might even be wrong. It might have only been 43. But you're up 30 points. You're up 30 points in the first quarter, and everybody cruises. And the next day, we're, we're happy. But you sacrifice something defensively. Or would you rather just go out and get um, one of these sort of muscly forwards, maybe a, um, 
Najee Marshall, for instance, from the New Orleans Pelicans, who's on a one-year deal, or a um, Andre Drummond, you know, maybe on the buyout market. But even if you have to trade for him, he's still only at 3.2 for the Chicago Bulls. Um, or would you rather have the people that I was talking about in the last podcast that I was on, you know, with the Isaiah Joes and the um, with the Isaiah Joes and the Alec Burke and, and the and the Damian Lees of the world, who are great at three points, but may at, at three pointers, but may not give you the depth of say a Sadiq Bay or or an Alec Burks, or might not be muscly. It seems like we're having two different conversations. I we're feel like, like you're bringing, bringing up guys who, who would not, not play, play a second for the Celtics. Celtics. Well, you say that, and I say to you, Justin Jackson played a whole bunch of minutes last night. <laughs> you know, you, you say that, and I say we always have Grant Williams, you know, coming in, and I know that he's valuable. So, so, so are you saying that, like, Alec Burks or Sadiq Bey or Isaiah Joe would be an upgrade to Grant Williams? Um, I'm saying that against teams that launch. No, the answer is no, Josh. <laughs> well, you want to say that, don't you? But don't, but, but, no, I want to say the truth, which is no, no, not at all. We face the Clippers when we face big, long-rangey wings. Don't you want more long-rangey wings to throw, or are you just happy with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? I mean, the moment you wrote an article this morning about how Jason Tatum is playing like the most minutes since anybody of 2012. It was an awesome article. I commented saying, "Thank you, I, thank you." It's, it's really good. I commented saying that I needed context as to what the last three champions, um, what their top players played in minutes per game during the regular season. And I got context that it was only three minutes per game less than what Jason Tatum is playing. And I thought, oh, well, that's nothing. And then I did the math and I was like, that's a full like three games during a regular season. So do I want. And on top of that, he never sits out. So he's adding more and more games on top of that. That's that's right, man. So, like, what do I want? Like, what do you want, J. King? Like, if you were able to trade for something, would you want more wins like this where it's just such a blowout that Jason Tatum gets to rest and laugh at the um, Brooklyn Nets as they try to come back from 40 down? Or would you rather have a team that had more depth that would allow Jason Tatum to get rest while staying consistent? Like, is it about being Kaizen or is it about reaching the mountaintop over and over and over, guys? Thank you. Yeah, so I, I think the 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 way that they're going to get blowout wins is to rely on the guys who are the best players on their team. Like they're not going to go get Isaiah Joe and all of a sudden just start blowing people out. <laughs> you uh, don't know that. You can't make that claim. <laughs> if if you want to say they should get somebody like that just so they can play those guys more minutes, they'd probably end up playing closer games. Because if those guys take minutes from Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, then you're downgrading. Um, I do the Celtics like. Could they improve the ninth spot on their roster and maybe use that guy more? Uh, yes, yes, especially with Sam Hauser lately falling. Oh, what's happened to this table. guy? The guy can't make a bucket, even in garbage time. What's what's going on with Hauser? He stinks now. Yeah, and and because of Hauser's struggles, like they just don't have a lot. Grant Williams is their only guy with size who's not a center off the bench. And he's just a power four. Like you're not gonna play him at like the two or the three. So they don't have like a big three, a big like somebody who plays Tatum's position. And they and that 
that that could be a reason why one of the reasons why he's playing so many minutes. But um, at the same time, like you could certainly play Derek White at three. You could play Marcus Smart at three. You could play a number of different guys at three and limit Tatum's minutes. And they just haven't done that. Uh, so maybe they are just trusting that that his body can handle it. And we've seen people's bodies be able to handle it before. LeBron James used to play a ton of minutes every year. He used to never yeah, sit out he's, games. He's a robot. He's different. Like, I don't Absolutely. know if you can play the LeBron James path and just hope that Jason Tatum is as indestructible as LeBron James. Maybe maybe you can, but that's a tough comparison if you're like looking for a, a blueprint for where to how the Celtics should operate. Absolutely. I'm just saying it's it's not unprecedented for someone to play a lot of minutes and still be fresh at the end. It's not like nobody has ever played 37 minutes per game and had a great playoff run and been great in the finals. Uh, now, our team's going away from putting that many minutes on the guys? Absolutely. That's why Tatum is second overall in minutes per game. That's why he's one of the, in the top five in minutes played in total this season. Uh, but, but I, I don't think you, you can go out and get someone like that. And all of a sudden you've changed the, the Jason Tatum minutes problem. It, it, it's on Joe Missoula because the guys he has, whether it's Peyton Pritchard, whatever, they're good enough, like good enough to soak up minutes in a regular season game. And Missoula just hasn't chosen to do that. That's it. And and maybe it'll pay off. Maybe they'll, you know, open up a three or four game lead in the Eastern Conference and and end up being able to sit Tatum for a couple games at the end. And maybe they'll start blowing teams out once they get healthy, once they get smart back. Now that Robert Williams is back and playing more minutes, maybe those those blowouts will start to to show up more often. Uh, but I don't think like just going out and getting mediocre players on the trade market is is the answer to to that issue bold take by jay king don't add bad players to the team uh if you want to improve uh let's go to nick right now joining us here on anything is potable nick how are you doing he's gone he disappeared maybe he'll appear later uh I think the thing is that like we haven't really seen a long stretch of the Celtics being healthy. Like when has Robert like Robert Williams they've came been back? Pretty healthy though. Like Robert Williams missed a lot of time. Other than that, they've been healthy, pretty much. Like every team misses guys all the time. I tried Nick again. Oh, Nick, how are you doing? Nick, can you guys hear me? Now yes, I can. Sir. All right. Hi. Hello. Hey. First time, long time. Um, I guess, given everything that Josh B said and Jay's comments on that, um, what do you think about? I guess this is more towards Jay specifically. What do you think about like a Matisse Thybul? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. But because he, he can't score. He can't score. and You don't have to go get a defensive wing when you're the Celtics. They have only defensive-minded players, and their defensive-minded players well, can play But what if they offense. got another defensive-minded player? 
he raises sure. an interesting point, Jay. Have it's, you ever considered that? It's interesting. Um, I, just, I see your elite defense, and I raise you another exceptional perimeter defender who plays the same position as Jason Tatum, and granted can't score, like layups. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get him there. Marcus Smart is a decent offense. Oh. I had pressed the, the, the X button when he had you, paused before. You shut him it, up. You I shut, shut him up. up. You want to know why? Because it was a bad idea. There's no reason they should add Matisse Teibel to this team. No, no, uh, no. But, but here's the thing. I, I understand wanting to add another wing. And another wing you can play and rely on. Uh, I just don't think the answer is finding like a the shitty wing. best player on your team. <laughs> and someone who can't... Like, could not be trusted to play playoff minutes or many playoff minutes for the Philadelphia 76ers who got beaten in the second round. And it was a reason that they went out and wanted to bolster their depth in the offseason by going to get DeAnthony Melton and P.J. Tucker and all that because he just wasn't good enough. And he, he's great defensively. He can make a lot of steals, a lot of blocks, some highlight plays. Um, but again... Like the Celtics have guys who are as good as Matisse Thybul, um, and they they have ways to limit Jason Tatum's minutes. They've just chosen not to do that. So, and like if if you're trying to get a guy like Matisse Thybul to be in the playoff rotation, I think that's wrong because he's not good enough. If you're trying to get him to soak up minutes in the regular season, I think that's wrong because. Missoula already has guys capable of doing that, and he's just chosen not to go that route. So, I think I, I, understa- I understand wanting someone like that though to to take on the minutes. I just I just think it's more of like a philosophy of of Joe Missoula's coaching than it is anything else. Yeah, because everybody's point- minutes are high. <laughs> like Jalen Brown is playing a career high in minutes. Al Horford is playing more minutes than he did since the 2017-18 season. Jason Tatum is second in the NBA in minutes. Um, Marcus Smart is playing a little more than he did last year, like very little, uh, almost exactly the same. But but that was when Ime Udoka was playing a lot of guys a lot of minutes. And so, like, Joe Mazzulla is just going to ride his best players. And until he stops doing that, it won't matter that they change their ninth or tenth best player. When did minutes become your your go to issue? I feel like you've evolved into a, a major clock watcher. Uh, no, I, <laughs> and I, I hate talking about minutes. <laughs> no, you don't, Jay. You do not hate I, talking about I minutes. Really, I really, it take. Okay, I have a high threshold of caring about minutes. Okay, um, like it it, it takes a lot of minutes for. But it, once a long it crosses time. that threshold, it's the but, only thing you can think about. But when he's playing 47 minutes and 48 minutes and he's second in the NBA to Pascal Siakam whose team is in a hopeless situation and needs him on the court literally all the time to have a chance. I just that's that crosses the line. And that's what I'm interested in why they're doing that and why they they're not paying attention to the way the way they felt after the finals last season. That's it. You're obsessed with minutes, dog. It's unhealthy. I, I it, <laughs> it, it's really not something that I ever thought I'd, I'd do. Just harping on minutes like I have lately. But here I am. Pretty, pretty eager to ask Joe Mazzulla a question about minutes, and in a in a win where they won by forty three points. 
pretty eager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to Kyle C. Let's see if the button pressing works this time. Kyle, how are you doing? Kyle. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah buddy. sir. Hey, uh, I, uh, I have a very important question for you guys on um, on uh, on fan conduct. I I was at lucky enough. Uh, I'm from Chicago. This is going to be very important. I can tell. Celtics game uh, on a Saturday night, and uh, had a great time on my feet cheering. As I was leaving, as we were about to leave, I got told by the fan behind me. Thank you for standing the entire game and blocking my view. Now, I was not standing the entire game, only during the important Jalen threes and the and one and the important overtime moments. But what is the general rule on standing in the TD Garden? Ooh, this is an important question. question. This is a good question. I'll let you answer it first, Packer. I think as he described it, for a regular season game, I think I think if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, you're allowed to stand as much as you want. Like you should be standing, you should be locked into the game, especially against the Lakers. Uh, big game, close game, overtime, stand away. Like the fans should be locked in. Now, if it's the second quarter, uh, say against Phoenix on Friday night, and you're standing and you're chanting defense, and it's like a six point game. You're a little bit of a wackadoo. You're a little bit of a. You're causing problems for other people. I think it really the stand involves some um, self awareness, some presence. Also, there's good, what eighteen thousand other people around you, where you can get some vibes. You can kind of read the situation and figure out whether or not standing's appropriate. But as described, the the Lakers game, especially fourth quarter, quarter and overtime, absolutely. You should not feel uh, badly about standing. That was a standing appropriate situation. Yeah, I I come from a family where my uncle used to <laughs> he used to scream at people who would stand in front of him during a game, um, and so that's what I've been molded by. But but that being said, I still believe that in a situation like that where it's late game. It's a big possession. It's maybe not a big game per se, um, but an exciting game. Uh, a game where the the crowd is amped. Stand up. Stand up. And also to wait until after the game to, and say a snarky comment. Yeah, coward's move. Like, you, that's you should be just yelling such a to- coward. Such a cowardly move. If you don't say something at the time of it, then just keep your mouth shut and and deal with it. That's that's it. And we like note that some people maybe like can't stand up or have difficulty standing. Like like look around. Maybe the person behind you just really can't stand up. Maybe you move to the side a little bit. Don't block their view. But you go to a basketball game, you can't get upset for uh the people in the crowd being excited about the basketball game. That's that's poppycock. That is absolute poppycock. Stand away, my friends. Stand away, despite what Jay's uncle might yell at you. Also, if you're going to be a stander, you got to be prepared to uh, stand your ground too. Like people, people might yell at you, and you just got to turn back at them. No, no. And then no, you question, then you question their fandom, and then you go, "You should be standing too, buddy." You've got to read the arena too. If you're the only person standing, oh yeah, then you're the, a jackass. Then, then you're being an inconvenience to people. 
Um, but in, in a game like that, I assume most of the building was standing or a bunch of people in the building were standing. So it's, it's, it's a feel thing. It really is. There's now, an etiquette to it. When I try to stand in the media section, all I get is dirty looks. Um, so, you know, take, you know, enjoy the standing while you can do it. Cause maybe in certain environments, you can't do it. Yeah. That, was supposed to, that was supposed to be a, a, a joke because the idea of standing in the media section is so outrageous, but didn't land. You know, big swing yeah, and no, a miss there so, for the old... Sometimes you just really have some sh- shitty jokes. Yeah, but you got to keep shooting. Um, <laughs> let's go to who Robert K. right now. Robert, how's it going? Roberto. Bob. Bobby K. Bobby? Bobby K. Try again. We're going to go. Oh, he's here. Oh, I pressed the X button. Bobby K. Get back on the line. Have a little patience. You can control that. You have just as much control over this as I do. No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, that's a lie. Uh, Let's go to James H. James, welcome to the program. What up, fellas? It's me, Snotty Drippin'. I thought it might be Snotty Drippin'. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Um, Yeah, man. Just wanted to weigh in. Keep doing good stuff. Uh, that game the other day was a nice reprieve. Uh, Boston been giving me heartburn lately. Um, you know the the roller coaster ride. I thought we came out of the whole swoon after the the terrible wa- the Warriors loss and that little swoon, but those, that three in a row hurt. That three in a row hurt bad. And Jalen's my guy, so those missed free throws really killed me. But um, yeah, man, that trade idea about I don't know that guy was saying bringing who uh, what, Alec Burke Muzzy's or something. Bible. Oh, Alex Burks too, yeah. That, yeah, that come on, guys. And that that guy's like, Well, you want to win like this or you want to grind it out with Grant Williams? Come on, man. Like let's I, I we're all fans and I get we all have our different point of views, but that's that was one of the most <laughs> most uh I, I don't want to be mean. That yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, that I it didn't make a lot of sense because Grant Williams is Grant Williams is gonna either make us a lot of money in free agency or he's gonna give hopefully give Boston a hometown discount and be around for a long time because that kind of versatility and his shooting is just invaluable. So, um, yeah, man, keep doing good things, guys. And uh, let me see, any questions? So, yeah, who, who, if there was a move, a realistic move, who do you guys want to see brought in? Other than Jakob Pertl. We get it. Pertl's a great fit. Um, I am kind of a belief that we do kind of need a little 3 and D wing to back up and take some of the minutes off of Jalen and Jason. Because, sure, scoring is an issue when they're out. But also, yeah, like it would be nice to have a, a big wing who can kind of hold his own. Maybe even put him in for, you know, uh, a three-wing lineup sometimes. But I don't know. Uh, keep doing good things, guys. Appreciate you, man. I, I love how he, he called in just just to go at Josh. <laughs> I did. Josh. Josh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to hear that, man. Snotty, we love you. We love you. Uh, who I would go after. The, as I look at possibilities – uh, I think the uh, some of like Jakob Pertl, honestly, he doesn't make a ton of sense because he's going to cost a fair amount, and the Celtics like they're in a situation where they probably don't want to give one first round pick because if they get one first round pick for a player like Jakob Pertl, it resets the timeline of how many picks they can trade in the future, yada, 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 and basically will hamstring you. Um, so Jakob Pertl, like, 
If he doesn't cost a first, maybe. But he's not a long-term fit. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. If you see him as the difference maker, the guy who would put the Celtics over the top, sure, go for it. But I I don't know how much he would play if the Celtics were fully healthy. I don't know if going after a, a I don't want to call him a premium trade target because he's not like a superstar or anything like that, but like a, a starting caliber center, I don't know if you necessarily need one because in most of the time it's going to be Al Horford, it's going to be Robert Williams. So the more I think about it, like you're you're gonna go after guys you can maybe get with like second round picks, um, and maybe Peyton Pritchard, and and so that that's the type of guy I've been thinking about. I don't know if the Rockets would give up Jay Sean Tate, but you I, love I like Sean that Tate. fit. You're a huge Jay Sean Tate fan. I just think defensively, he can play in key key moments. And he's not a great offensive player. He can't shoot the three, but he can he can do some stuff off the dribble. Uh, and he's just like he can credibly guard one through five when he's healthy. And if you put him next to anybody in Boston's rotation, he just works. And if you want to go to like a switch everything lineup, he can be in that. And and so he just allows them to play, have a little more physicality. He would allow them to have a little bit, bit more physicality in those moments. Again, I don't know if the Rockets want to give him up. He's their only defensive-minded player, basically. He has a he's under a good contract for I think a, two years after this one, so they don't have to give him up. They don't, certainly don't have to give him up for cheap. But a guy like that to me might be more valuable than like a a center. Um, and I still think they they will go after a center. I still think they want to get somebody who plays a little differently than Cornette. Um, what about but, we had some Kelly Olynyk rumors? Uh, we talked about Kelly Olynyk last pod, and then we got from uh, Steve Bullpet some Kelly Olynyk rumors. The Heat and the Celtics are interested. What do you think about Kelly O? Yeah, I mean it'd be fine. <laughs> like. That's my feeling about any trade the Celtics would do at this deadline. I'm like, yeah, that might work. But like that's it'd not going to change anything. Like it'd be even, fine. even with Jay Sean Tate is like I guess he's pretty defensive. Yeah, he's Jay only Sean six, another he's guy. only like, six four. He, he might not play in like deep in a playoff series. He should not at play. All. But here's the thing. Like when you think of last year's finals, um, the Warriors just had different ways to play. Like they could they could go to Gary Payton. They could bring in Nemanja Bielica. They go to Otto Porter, like just totally different types of players. And and that's what I would want to go after if if I were the Celtics, because realistically, like two of the three guys they're probably gonna play off the bench right now are smallish guards in Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon. And so I just want someone who's a little different. And that's it. Like just get someone who's a little different, who can allow you to play a little different style if you want to put them on the court deep in a playoff series. Ideally, it would just like Sam Hauser could just learn how to shoot again, and then they could just have a little bit of size. Like, but is it just worth it to? But to can have you play this? him deep in a playoff series? Like, no, like but a, no, when you're against trade, a top you play, opponent, you can't play Jay Sean Tate deep in a playoff series. Why not? He can guard anyone. He's shooting thirty percent from three. He can guard three. anyone. He's not. A, people just wouldn't guard him on offense. Yeah, you I need mean, you need two way players in the playoffs. Thing. That could be a bad thing. 
How about I think there's no way you can get him for a second round pick, but I like Jalen McDaniels on the Hornets. I just feel like the Hornets are in fire sale mode, and he's like actually six eight, six nine, and can shoot a three a little bit better and scores points. But he's playing 27 minutes per game right now for the Hornets. Like I don't think you're going to come him and bring him in and put him in the Sam Hauser role. And so I just there's not an answer. Like the Celtics just if you can upgrade the Sam Hauser role with just giving away second round picks. I think it's uh, and bring in a guy who's like six five, six six and above. Then sure, bring in a guy and like we'll see what happens. But I just don't think the the there's a need for the Celtics to do anything right now. People just love the trade deadline. Like the 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 creation of a deadline makes everyone just go, "Well, we got to trade something." It's the trade deadline, and it's like, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that at all. It's I the, love they, trade they deadline the, time. I love the, it because they have the this best is, team in basketball. They have this the is best the time record, of year. the best net rating. They don't need to change. Nothing this needs to happen. This is the time of year people get super excited about the possibility of adding Alec Burks or Kelly Olynyk <laughs> or Matisse or Thybul. Isaiah Joe or Matisse Thybul. It's an electric time of year. It really is. And I. It's it's funny that I was like no to Matisse Thybulle, and then I was like Jay Sean Tate. <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. <laughs> so, so it's yeah. It's um, just an opportunity to to like talk about how you feel about random guys on other teams, and you're just like, wow, this guy might be really good. No, nah, but that guy stinks, and it's just like very much small sample size theater. For some reason, you love Jay Sean Tate, uh, and you just uh, you just a, a fanatic of his game i i just yeah i i, I went back and i was like watching synergy clips from like years ago you're doing a uh, jay sean tate deep dive jay sean tate deep dive and i just the, the man can guard a lot of different people do you ever he like guard a lot of different people stop yourself in those moments and go wow i'm an absolute sicko right now like i logged on to synergy to watch jay sean tate clips from 2021 yeah, but you should have seen the work he did against the Lakers in like 2021. I why would I have he, to watch it when I have Anthony you to, Davis, you to tell he was me guarding about LeBron, it. he was guarding Russ like before Russ like totally fell off. I guess was that last year? I don't know. Whenever Russ his first year and he was like guarding Davis in the post and then he was guarding LeBron on the perimeter. It's pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> so this is why I am just a professional sports fan and you're a journalist because you have the wherewithal to dedicate your time and your your hard work into just digging up Jay Sean Tate clips. And I just, I couldn't do that. That respect But then to I you, also Jay. had to watch Mason Plumlee clips, which means I had to watch like just the left hand jumpers of Mason Plumlee. Yeah. How'd, how'd that make you feel about the Celtics possibly adding Mason to, to the team? Can you hear me? Now I can. I just got a uh, phone call, so I got knocked off. Uh, was it uh, some source telling you about the J- impending Jay Sean Tate trade? No, it was my brother-in-law. Oh, uh, well, do you need but, to call him back? We've been podcasting for a while now. <laughs> we were doing 45 minutes on a game where the Celtics won by 43. It's outrageous how long this podcast is going. This is the problem with the trade deadlines. You just pa- get into Packer told, Packer told me at 530. He said, we're not going to do any more than a half hour because there's nothing to talk about and because I'm tired. And here we are, 621. And, and then all the people just it's, keep on it's calling like in. It's like Groundhog Day. Oh, 
Boo. Boo. Well, I, I've got I've got to just ha- share my gripe with Groundhog Day for a while. Not a Punxsutawney Phil Have I done this before? No. Oh, that's a funny question on Groundhog Day. I might have I might have done it on a different podcast. I don't I don't remember. But it's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. The fact that like news stations go and cover it and and people write stories about it and everyone cares whether this fucking groundhog sees his fucking shadow which is all about whether like the sun's out or not like go fuck yourself everyone <laughs> uh a groundhog this is, this is the dumbest tradition among a world in a world of dumb traditions and and for for anyone to say that this groundhog has anything to do with anything at all and also like it's not even fun it's not even <laughs> fun like the people there go outside in the freezing cold just to watch some stupid groundhog and see if there's a shadow like sees its shadow are you kidding me is is it just when you really think about Groundhog Day and the fact that I get a Google alert on my fucking calendar about this stupid day, it's poppycock. <laughs> Normally, I feel like I should like embrace debate and like a normal podcast thing would be like, no, here's why Groundhog's Day is awesome. But I got nothing. You you've described it perfectly. It's a nonsense day. Um, do you? take joy in the fact that uh, a groundhog in Ontario uh, died today because I think it was a hit by a car no, accidentally. No, no, you <laughs> sick bastard. No. no You're the I one. Want, I don't want little groundhogs to die. This is not... No. I just need no, to know where your threshold not. is. Where you, How much your groundhog hatred uh, leans. All right, we've established a clear thing. Don't think they should be celebrated as a holiday, but don't want them um, killed unnecessarily. I think that's a fair a fair uh point you've staked yourself at, Jay. Yeah. I uh I can't believe you even asked me that. That's some sicko stuff. <laughs> You're I, watching. Did, I guess I did have a lot of animosity, but man. I think it was a it was a germane question. All right, we're gonna get through these last two folks waiting on the on the line and then we'll call it a day. Right now we go to Sam H waiting patiently. Sam H, how's it going? Be patient, Packard. Be patient. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of difficult. I hear, I hear it, Sam. If you can hear me now, we uh, can, we Sam. Oh, okay, doing well, thank you. Uh, and and I I hate to bring this conversation back to minutes. Uh, <laughs> Jay loves it. Jay's <laughs> rejoicing right it. now. Um, Love it. As as someone who's been a basketball fan for a little bit, but, but not never played or anything like that. I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of why playing too many minutes might be a bad thing. Um, you know, there seems to be a lot of concern that they're going to wear down or get injured. I guess what I have a less of an understanding of, and, and I'm aware that I'm asking you guys to speculate here, but outside of wins and, and potentially keeping your star players happy, what's the benefit here? Uh, the Celtics seem pretty aware of the risks, but what do they think the trade-off is? I would imagine just that 
Tatum wants to be on the court and they want to win games. Like, I don't think there is another benefit to it. What are you uh, talking about? The statistics when Jason Tatum is in the game is they're a much better basketball team and they want to win. They were yeah, seven, but he, said, seven, he said outside of winning. Well, winning is everything. Yeah. Also, And, uh, and I genuinely think <laughs> Joe Mazzulla is just like, yeah, whatever. And he said it a few times. It's tough to know when he's being entirely serious or when he's making a, a joke with an entirely serious voice. But he has said it a few times, like, we're going to do whatever it takes to win tonight. Like, that that's how many minutes they're going to play. And also, they, and I just think, do. like, <laughs> I do think there's, like, keeping Tatum somewhat happy. Like, Tatum, I think, wants to be in the game and wants to play. And so you let your star player do what your star player does because you want to keep your star player happy. And he I has an incredible ability to to play. Like, that sounds weird to say, but he, among all the all-star starters, so basically the guys who carry the heaviest burden on their teams every night, he has missed the fewest games. He has played the most minutes per game. He And it's like he's just been very durable throughout his career. He puts a lot of time into his body. Um, so he does have an incredible ability to play. And and he's old school. He wants to be out there all the time. And so I, I do think that part of it is probably like Tatum just wants to be out there. So they're cool with it as long as it doesn't impact his body. Um, and right now they've decided and that it, it won't. And that's that's what they're doing at I don't know whether it's the right move. It's it, and that's the the other reason of the part of the minutes conversation that I hate is like I I don't know exactly how what it means, <laughs> you know, like we we can talk about this forever, and we we well, don't why, we why don't really you know if if this is meaningful until it is, and then even if it is, we won't know if that's really the cause. Yeah, but don't you have yourself to blame for not knowing what it means because you're too busy watching Jay Sean Tate highlights instead of figuring out the answer? Well, should I be doing scientific studies into the weight of NBA minutes? Yes, like, you should be consulting. There, there, are with- a lot of, there are a lot of different ways to rest. Like All the focus goes into minutes, and my focus goes into minutes because that's what I see. But there are a lot of different things. Is he getting more sleep? Is he? He's definitely changed his diet. Like. It, Maybe he's using he, a hyperbaric chamber. On an off day, are they allowing him more rest time? Or is he doing more yoga? Like, like there's tons of different things, tons of different variables that go into it beyond just what are the sheer minutes that he's played. Um, and those are the stuff that we don't really know. We know he's changed his habits. They've told us that. He's told us that. But I, that, this is why I don't like Minutes Talk, but here we are again. You minutes love talk. Minutes Talk. A lot talk. of minutes on Minutes Talk. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's go to Robert K. to close out the show. Robert K., I'm going to be patient. Won't press the X button. Let's see what happens. Patience, my friend. Did you press the X button? No, I didn't press the X button. Now I don't even see him on the screen. Poor, Poor Robert. I feel like really going out with a... A whimper here. Um, that's that's tough. I got uh, I got nothing. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> sorry, Robert. Oh, sorry, Rob. Oh, oh, is he back? Oh, we're here. Oh, oh he made it. Bobby K. Hey, we are back. Welcome to the program. program. Thank you, thank you. I got about. What a comeback story. Unknown numbers in the thirty seconds that I was trying to get on. So, oh, they're spamming you. I bet it was Josh B trying to hog the shine. He's just he's just spamming you. And I have a story from two years ago to round this out. Uh, I was captured by your somewhat irrational but understandable anger towards groundhogs, Jay. (laughs) I love this. Two years ago, my brother and I go to game three of the Nets Celtics playoff series. We are sitting in the nosebleeds of the garden. Uh, it's probably the second Celtics game we've been to. We're excited. Uh, I think the Celtics, have, or no, the fourth game, maybe. Celtics had won the game before, so we had optimism. And the entire night, there's this guy sitting two rows to the side, uh, probably paid 90 bucks to be there. All he did was stand up his feet the entire time and shout, fuck Grant Williams. That is all the <laughs> <laughs> no idea where he is in life. He still says fuck Grant Williams, despite Grant uh, about to make 200, uh, or 20, excuse me, 20 million a year. 
So this was this was during Grant's second season. Yes this this was a. So it was the game after Tatum scored fifty something points, right? Yeah, uh, Brown wasn't playing. Grant Williams was like a nice to have project who was not impacting the Celtics' future, and that is the only thing this man did was shout "fuck Grant Williams." <laughs> That's so wild. I hope he's come around. I hope he's come around because Grant Grant's a valuable player. Grant and and that was that was that was a down year for Grant. That was uh that was not Grant's best season. And so I understand some Grant Williams animosity at the time. Uh but hopefully he's come around. And uh but played two years in college? Or is he <laughs> one year? <laughs> they were starting Romeo Langford in that series. And I love that they were just starting Romeo Langford and still this guy he he could think of nothing but his hatred for Grant Williams. Who is probably a twenty year old at that point. <laughs> also like one of the the nicest guys on the team, just like genuinely does so much community service work and all of this stuff, just like genuinely a good dude and just like, Nope. I'm gonna buy I'm buy my way into the garden and stand in the balcony and motherfuck him for two hours straight. That's that's commitment. Uh you gotta respect Romeo, had a, Romeo he actually played okay that that year. He had 17 points in in the closeout game that they got closed out in, but still. How many minutes did he play, Jay? Uh, a lot. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely too many. They had Tristan Thompson, Evan Fournier, and Romeo oh, Langford in the starting lineup against that Nets team. It, a lot has changed in the last two years. Jabari were... Parker coming off the bench, Aaron Neesmith coming off the bench, and this guy's hatred was just toward Grant Williams. That's the incredible <laughs> part. It really is. And I just looked up the uh, the box score, and Brooklyn scored 141 points, which is crazy. Uh, that's a lot of fucking points. But the Nets, when they were healthy that year, they would have won the title, probably. Um, Grant, five points, minus 11. Yeah, you know. Maybe. Dark times. <laughs> Dark times. <laughs> I don't think the hatred was at all justified, if that's what you're implying, but the no, Celtics no, have certainly certainly come a long way since then. Trim Waters, Carson Edwards, Taco Fall, and Luke Cornett all got in the game in garbage time. Oh, I that? forgot about Cornett's first stint with the team then. Yeah, how about that? Oh, congratulations. There were a lot of other things that guy could have been focused on instead of just hating on Grant Williams. But hey, we we all have our issue for that guy. It was Grant Williams for Jay King. It's uh, Jay Sean Tate and minutes restrictions. Um, and for me, it's just a uh, you know <laughs> staying kaizen. I this person, <laughs> you like, tell me about your life, and then uh, I observe it. I'm just an observer of man. Uh, I can't help it. I'm never the minutes guy, but now I've become the fucking minutes guy. It's tough. I well, you're gonna like well. Is it going to stop you from asking questions about minutes moving forward? Yes, because I've already written the story. <laughs> I'm not going to ask about minutes for a while, uh, at least. Well, that's fair. And you guys can all read that story on The Athletic. Thank you guys for joining us here in The Athletic Live Room. Thank everyone who subscribes to The Athletic or subscribes to Anything is Potable. I said that, Jay, we would not go past 6. It is now 6.35. We just did an hour of podcasting about a 43-point blowout and a trade deadline where the Celtics are not going to make any trades. I think that is 
I think they are clear example. They are clear example. They're going to add a center. That anything is potable, folks. Anything is potable. We got lots of listener callers. Snatty dripping tuned in, and we got an amazing story about uh, a, the biggest Grant Williams hater in the world. And we got Josh B spamming somebody so that he couldn't appear on the podcast. And we got a Matisse Tybel su- trade suggestion. So, <laughs> folks, anything is potable. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. I'm outie.